for us musicians, we tend to be very creative, but when it comes to the math, the numbers and the businessy side of things, sometimes we just get hit with overwhelm. If you can survive music school, you can survive anything and you can do anything. Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists looking for in-depth, career-accelerating conversations about all that's neat for clarinet. On today's show, I'm joined by Tanya Lawson, who is a professional freelance musician and college professor turned SEO specialist and music business coach. We discuss Tanya's own journey, why musicians need passive income, how they can accelerate their career and get passive income for their self, especially with multiple streams, and Tanya's Zero to Waitlist and Passive Income Academy courses along with much more. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors and supporters for making today's show possible and you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to Clarinet wherever you get your podcasts, tell your musical friends, students, and colleagues all about it, and I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Imagine a read that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Legere Reads, the world's leading synthetic read brand made right here in Canada. The European cut read is preferred by Legere artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, Carter Giuffredi, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with a great ease of articulation and is now available for E-flat, B-flat, and the bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store, or you can now save 10% on your Legere reads with code CLARINET at checkout at legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E dot com. The new Bakun Q-Series clarinet features a completely redesigned bore inspired by the Bakun Custom Series clarinets. This means you can play and perform like the pros, but for less. Use code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com to save 10% on your entire purchase and try the Bakun Q-Series or Protégé clarinet risk-free for 30 days. Just pay the return shipping if you aren't fully satisfied. Shop now at bakunmusical.com and use code CLARINET at checkout. Tanya, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Where are you coming to me from today? Thank you for having me. I am in the Nashville area where it's nice and hot here. Nashville, it's also very musical there. So you're very lucky in that regard as well, as well as the heat. <laughs> so it's a rare uh, occasion today for those listening. You'll, you'll know I'm always complaining about the cold, but actually we're having a normal summer day here in Canada. So one of probably, uh, you know, that I can count on both hands, but... Uh, that is a good day in Canada when it's nice weather outside. So anyway, Tanya, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. And I'm really excited to chat with you because I just love the conversations that I have surrounding music business. And you have a really interesting perspective. But before we dive too deep into it, would you mind just giving a quick introduction to our audience so we can get to know you a little bit as a clarinetist and musician and how you became a SEO specialist and music business coach? Absolutely. I am first and foremost, a clarinet teacher. I've been teaching clarinet since 1997. So I've been doing it a very long time. And about eight years ago, well, I'll start with the fact that in the area I teach in, private teachers are lucky and that they get to go into the schools to teach lessons. About eight years ago, the school board decided they weren't sure they were going to keep that program going. And lucky for us, they did, but it was a big scare. I started thinking, oh, no, what would happen if this were all taken away? You know, am I going to end up bagging groceries somewhere or getting temp work? So I saw a need to build out 
diverse, uh, more of a diversified income. So I started working towards figuring out exactly how to build multiple income streams. So I started out looking at niche websites and I took a couple of courses on search engine optimization, learning how to get my website found on Google. And I actually started a niche website called Simply Caffeinated. It's a, it's a coffee blog about all things coffee with hopes of monetizing that with affiliate income. Well, over time that happened. And when COVID hit and my lessons took a, a nosedive along with everyone else's because we weren't allowed in the schools, everything went online. I lost some students as did a lot of people. And I did not have to worry about it. I did not have to sweat it because I had passive income coming in already. So I used that time to take a further deep dive in and I started a gardening blog that is just getting started. I also built out some courses to help other private music teachers develop multiple income streams. So let's just dive into a couple of those terms here uh, for people who are new to this concept entirely. And and uh, so SEO, you just said, is search engine optimization. And that's basically just helping you get discovered on a place like Google, which is rather important in the, the internet where there's billions of web pages and you want to try and bubble up to the top of someone's search, right? What is affiliate income and how can people learn more about this and, and you know get their foot in the door with that kind of thing? Okay, affiliate income is a a way to make money off of other people's purchases. And you probably participate in affiliate income every single day of your life. If you've ever searched for something on the internet and read details about it, maybe you want to buy a new podcast mic. You read details about it of the best podcast mic. You pick one out you want and you click that link and you make that purchase from Amazon. Well, whoever wrote that article is probably getting a percentage of your purchase. And that's how affiliate income works. And there are several ways to go about adding affiliate income in. You can do the Amazon affiliate. As music teachers, Sheet Music Plus has a great affiliate program. I'm part of that. There are also um, affiliate program programs like Share a Sale that work well. And all of these have different rules for getting into their program. Sheet Music Plus, as a musician, it's super easy to get into, and they have an 8% commission, so it's pretty good. Amazon commission's not that great, but everybody shops on Amazon, so you've got to be there. And with Amazon, what a lot of people don't realize is once you click through that link and you put that podcast mic in your cart, and then you remember, oh, you know what? I'm out of tea. I'm going to get some tea as well. And you know, we're going on vacation and I need to get a new swimsuit. You throw that in as well. That single person with the podcast mic on their website, they got a commission off of all of your purchases. I just want to be clear to people, like obviously these additional things we're talking about um, for Tanya in her situation are not happening to be directly music-based, but there's no reason that you couldn't try to form these around your music blog or your teaching blog or the content that you're creating as a musician as well. However, one thing I want to ask you about Tanya was um, in what respect do you think it's okay to kind of dive outside of music a little bit to look into these things in order to support your music career and your music job so that you don't have to support it, I guess, with some other means. Like I imagine this simply caffeinated website, it's something that you're probably interested in peripherally, not directly music, but I imagine that you enjoy working on this website more than you would, for example, a part-time job at Starbucks. <laughs> so I could see someone saying, well, this isn't music-based. I don't want to do it. But ask yourself, what are you currently doing that's not music-based, I suppose, that you are willing to accept, but it requires actual time, <laughs> right? So that's kind of a multifaceted question. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be not music based. I have affiliate income on my music website as well. So um, I'm a clarinetist, obviously. So um, I have an article ranking number three on Google right now for the best clarinet mouthpiece. And I am continuously seeing in my Amazon sales, clarinet mouthpieces being purchased. So you can apply this to your own blog as well with products you might recommend, music that you recommend to your students, but it's also okay to have other interests outside music. Frankly, I think that makes us more well-rounded individuals. Sometimes we get stuck in that musician's box and it's something happens to us in music school and, and we start to adapt this starving artist mentality. Um, it has to be all music all the time, nothing else. And that's really unfortunate because most of us have a lot of different interests. Um, I know I like coffee a lot. I like gardening. I also like running. So it's okay to have those interests and it's okay to step outside of those interests. It does not make you any less of a musician. You know, I read a book recently called How to Write One Song by the guy who uh, sings in Wilco, the band. And um, he basically said something like that, too. I mean, he he thinks a lot of people get too in their own head as, as musicians and artists, and they just focus on just the song. But if you don't live your life, what's the song going to be about, <laughs> you know? And I think that's always very interesting kind of concept. And, and I would agree, too. Like, I've got interest in cars and cooking myself. And um, you'd be surprised, even like, I don't know if you are familiar with this concept or agree with this concept, but um, I've heard of like micro affiliates too, where, I mean, with my American Express card, for example, I'm not really out there <laughs> hawking American Express, but but if I have a friend sign up and they're interested, I can make like a 50 or $100 kickback for my American Express card. I have HelloFresh as like a meal planning service that I use. If I spread that with my friends, I think I get $25 per time they sign up. And this is just really small scale. Anyone can try it or get started. But full disclosure, like the Clarinet website has functioned on some level of affiliate revenue for years. Um, I've got little links in there. And, uh, you know, it's same thing with you. I, I get every day people are buying the odd little thing and it helps support the production of the podcast. So, so that's one sort of side of this wheel is affiliate revenue. Um, used another term called passive income. Now, I think that there's sort of this myth out there that uh, passive income requires no work. But I would kind of, I think it's almost misnamed. Like with passive income, I think the work is just very front loaded and then you can get out of the way so that your hour or two hours or 10 hours or whatever you invested at the beginning, it is real time. However, into the future, you get paid more per hour as more time goes by. Yes, passive income works off of the concept of, you can compare it to compound interest. So, um, and I actually, when I first started developing uh, my course, Passive Income Academy, I put some, some questions out in some Facebook groups and I'm not gonna name the group here, but one group tried to burn me hardcore with the passive income does not exist. This is just a scam. You're trying to collect email addresses. And that's not true. But passive income is not sitting on a beach drinking a cocktail with an umbrella in it. <laughs> passive income requires a lot of work on the front end. And the affiliate revenue we were just talking about is a form of passive income. I am earning affiliate revenue off of blog posts that I wrote two to three years ago. So I put in the work then and it takes me maybe two hours to write a 3000 word blog post, edit it and get the links in and put it up. 
So that two hours of work is still paying off three years later. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. I remember specifically, for some reason, it always pops in my head every time I sell a t-shirt on the website, the time that I was sitting in some cafe and I came up with the idea for the t-shirts and I did the first like five designs or whatever, just sitting in that cafe for one afternoon. And I found myself wondering that day, well, what will this really be worth in five years? And, uh, you know, it's been a few hundred t-shirts later. And uh, and every time I sell one, I'm like, that's that's an hour in that cafe paying off just a little more, you know. Um, now, it's true. There's a bit of management here and there and, you know, contacting people and, you know, the odd refund and whatever. And, and sales have been pretty low lately because I just I migrated the store and took some designs down and whatever. But but even then, like every couple of weeks or months or days or whatever, you sell a t-shirt. It's like, great. I mean, how it's only a few dollars here and there, but I mean, that's literally, I could be sipping a drink and a straw on a beach, you know? <laughs> so how do we go like as musicians and kind of wrap our heads around this then? Because I mean, and for someone who maybe doesn't have currently some sort of content production machine, I mean, we, we talk about this sort of from a place of, uh, um, what's the word, like on a pedestal almost. Like I've got this blog, it's been going for six years and, you know, Clarinet now has almost 200 episodes. Like it's no small thing anymore. But for someone just getting started, like where should they look? Should they really focus on a personal blog or how could they get started with something like this? Well, a personal blog is a really good way to get started. No upfront. You're, and most musicians have a website anyway. So put a blog on it. Know up front, though, that you need to optimize it with SEO and you're playing the long game. It's going to take, especially if it's a new website, it's going to take 12 to 18 months to earn Google's trust and start ranking in the algorithm. The older a website is, the better. So if you're a musician who's had a website out there for a couple of years, you already have your domain name you're going to probably start ranking a little earlier because your website's already aged, even if you don't have content on it yet. So that's a good place to get started. You can also, in the meantime, while waiting on the Google search engines to start ranking you, you could share your blog post on your social medias and get reading that way. Get friends and family to share them. The more people that are seeing your website, Google will start to notice it. And so you mentioned passive income, and we've talked about one way to do that, which is affiliate income. Are there any other ways and are there any other sources that you can work towards building multiple income streams? Because I think it was before we went on air, but we were talking about how, you know, the average person has only one income stream and that's their job. Savvy people might have two or three as far as like, okay, their job plus their investments plus maybe their side hustle or whatever. But but they always say in the books that I've read anyways, that those who become really successful have about seven streams of income or more. Um, so how can people start building up to that? And what are some other ways that they can can get there and support their, their music career? Well, the first thing you do is start with one. Yes. <laughs> Don't try to do seven at once. Start with just one and do it really well. So um, I think probably the best way to answer your question is just to go through some of my passive or some of my income streams in general. So obviously I teach private lessons for a living. That would be my full-time job. I'm also part-time at a university and I teach music appreciation at the university. So that's another element of my income. I have the coffee website, which brings in affiliate income. And I just worked with an ad network to get ads on it. So it's also bringing in ad revenue now. My personal website is bringing in affiliate income and ad revenue. I also have my courses, which 
they're a great way to bring in passive income as well. I have one course out there that's evergreen. I have another course that is in a live group coaching at the moment, but it will be turning evergreen later this year. So you can join it. And those work really great because you have two options. There's the pay in full option. There's also a payment plan option. The payment plan option is great on both ends. It helps people who maybe don't have the money to pay in full at the moment, but they can afford a monthly payment over six to eight months. Well, you also know you can count on that income coming in. And once those courses are created, they're done. And of course, you keep up with them. Once a quarter, I go in and I update with anything relevant um, because Technology is always changing. And as I am working with passive income and then building your private music studio, technology is a huge part of that. So I update those. That brings in revenue. I also do workshops. So it would be a one day, one hour workshop to bring in revenue. And this summer, for the first time, I hosted an online clarinet boot camp that was designed to help rising freshmen prepare for high school band, which is in the States, a really big thing because they're, they're going from middle school band into high school marching band where they're expected to play on the same level as the seniors and memorize music and do stuff they've never done before. And that worked out really well. And that's one I call a semi passive income stream because each week of the four weeks of the camp, they were delivered a pre-recorded video to study on their own. And then we had a live masterclass. Well, now that those videos are recorded, I can run the camp next year. And that side of the work is already done. I just have to show up for the masterclass. I love that. And so what are your thoughts too on like piggybacking different types of of revenue streams. So for example, what I mean is, um, you know, it's possible that once you've got some of these things going, maybe you have a YouTube channel And on that YouTube channel, you're discussing something. There's an affiliate link. You're getting paid ad revenue from YouTube. Maybe you're referencing your courses. Like suddenly there's kind of an ecosystem. So at what stage maybe do you try to build out to more more of these sorts of things and linking them together and having kind of a more unified umbrella that's really functional? It's funny you ask because I just recorded my first YouTube video last week. So I'm working towards that. So that is exactly how business should run. My aspiration is to branch out and hire an assistant next year. So once I get my business to that level where I can hire someone, I've already started outsourcing some of elements of my business. So yes, the YouTube channel where you have affiliate links sending you to the course, etc. That's all part of building that business umbrella. But for us musicians, we tend to be very creative, but when it comes to the math, the numbers, and the, for lack of a better word, businessy side of things, sometimes we just get hit with overwhelm. Like, oh, there's no way I could possibly do that. When in reality, you totally can. If you can survive music school and all of your recitals you have to give, you can survive anything and you can do anything. So you start with that one. Once you have it under your belt, then you add the other. But also, I'm a huge fan of reverse engineering everything. Start with your end goal in mind. So if you're capable, in that YouTube channel is your end goal that's going to umbrella everything together. Start there. Okay, what is that YouTube channel going to help me do? And you'll get the trickle-down effect that way. 
Totally. And for those listening too, I, I would advise, because I have done this before and I've got, you know, multiple sort of streams as well. But but I remember when I first sat down and thought about this one day, I was like, well, what would it really take to make a dollar of passive income a day? And to me at the time, passive income literally meant I could make it while I was asleep. And and I was like, okay, but how am I going to push to get to that point? And I did start these Amazon things and the t-shirts and a couple other things. And I remember the point when it hit about $400 for the year. I was like, okay, I did it. I made a dollar a day. And I would wake up in the morning sometimes and there would be a sale or an Amazon or whatever. And I was like, I did it. I made it while I was sleeping <laughs> because that's actually, you know, truly passive. But I really do resonate with what you just said about the musicians being sort of well, well suited to this kind of thing, because I don't think we realize it. But so many degree programs, they don't encounter the really kind of putting yourself on the spot in the same way as musicians. Like you might have to write a final paper and I guess you maybe present to your, you know, your master's thesis to a jury or whatever. But but for music, like you really, really, really do put yourself on the line. You're either educating a room of students or you're performing to a recital hall or recording projects. I mean, you are really exposing yourself and you're also exposing yourself to the the chance of failure, you know, a lot more than I think other people are, and very directly too. So I think that we're kind of well versed to accept the pitfalls of of starting up some kind of small business or music business endeavor. We just maybe don't realize it. My attitude in general is, if you haven't failed, you didn't really try. A lot. Of, I hear a lot of people talk about how, oh, if I could go back and redo it. Honestly, nothing in my life I would change. Because every success I've had has taught me something and every failure I've had has taught me something even more important. And it's really helped me grow. And like, like you said, think about how many rejections we get as a musician on a regular basis. We develop this thick skin and that really helps in the world of business because not everything is going to go perfect every time. And you know what? That's okay too. That's part of business. Totally. And you know, the, your courses, I wanted to talk a little bit about them because you've got the zero to wait list. And I love the title of that one because I can tell exactly what it's about, like starting and then, you know, building your <laughs> your sort of studio, your clients or whatever. Um, are you familiar with the book called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port? I am not. Oh, okay. Because this reminded me very much of that. And I that was a book that kind of changed my, my teaching life in about 20, I don't know, maybe 2012. And because uh, I remember reading it and it's a it's one book that I would definitely suggest reading as an audiobook because the guy is like a vo voice coach or something um, or a speaking coach. And so his his reading of this book is one of the things it's as convincing as the, <laughs> the text. But there's also a lot to learn, like from a presentation standpoint, maybe if you're a musician, you're also more kind of attuned to the, the way the book is read or something. But I just love the concept in there. And he, he just goes kind of through these stages of your career, like at the beginning, you're kind of building up this, your, your, your group of people you want to work with. But once you get it full, you've got to start trimming off the people who aren't ideal clients and all this sort of thing. So anyway, check it out. But um, can we talk a little bit about your zero to wait list course? Absolutely. So I have moved around a bit. So I built my first studio in the Nashville area. I would say it was mostly um, rural schools that I had to do a lot of driving to get to. I was young. There were plenty of teachers in Nashville proper. So I built a studio. Well, then I went to graduate school and I moved to Texas. So while I was in graduate school in Texas, I, you know, I had a TA, but it, we all know TAs don't pay that much. So I had to once again, build a studio. 
So I built the studio there. And then once I graduated, I moved back to the Nashville area and had to rebuild once again. So I've built a studio from scratch three separate times. And each of those times I've hit what I call waitlist status and waitlist status really depends on you. How many students do you want to take on? At my most, I was teaching about 55 students a week. Now, I don't do that anymore. I am somewhere between 30 and 35. That's all I want because I I wanted time. I wanted to have my weekends off. I wanted to have a life. And I like to go on vacation. I try to take four weeks of vacation a year. So I, by building out the passive income streams, it's allowed me to do that. But my course zero to wait list walks you through the exact same process I used to build a studio. And after talking to a lot of music teachers, I've actually just updated it. I just got an entire new module added in for students who are in college or graduating college, because you know what? It's never too early to get started. You don't have to wait until you graduate to start teaching private lessons. So it even walks you through what kind of photos you need to use on your website and on your social media to get students, how your bio should read, understanding what type of student you want to teach, templates for how to send emails to band directors, to get them to actually answer it and get students out of it. So it starts from the very beginning. It goes through how to set up your website, how to include that content on there, how to go about recruiting students. I even have a unit on how to recruit students and actually get paid to do it through paid master classes. And then once you have your students, how the best way to schedule them, how to grow and expand. And the very end of it starts touching on building passive income streams. But the intention is for you to complete that course. And once you've completed that course, you have a successful studio. And if you want to continue with passive income streams, that's where I have Passive Income Academy. So let's talk about that first little bit. I I love that. And it's interesting because um, I like how you work in reverse. Too many people are like, oh, I'm going to start teaching lessons and they get a student here and they get a student there. And they've never really thought about, well, how many hours a week can I do this? <laughs> you know, and, and how many hours do I want to do this is such an interesting perspective because it um, I can't remember what the term is, but there's this whole framing the mind concept where instead of saying like, oh, I can't afford a new car because it's, let's say, three hundred dollars a month payment. Instead of saying that, you think, how can I afford a new car that has a $300 a month payment, right? And so when you set yourself up this way too, it's like, instead of saying, I, I'm going to teach one hour here and there, it's like, okay, I want to teach or I will teach 18 hours a week at these specified hours. How can I start filling that up? And what your brain does is the subconscious just kind of behind the scenes starts to tick away and it figures it out. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that sensation where you you slept on something and the next morning you, you couldn't believe how stupid you were the night before after trying to spend like three hours solving it and just solved it like that, <laughs> you know? Um, that's the same phenomenon. Your brain figures stuff out sort of in the subconscious. So I think that's, that's really, really smart. And um, for those listening, this is something to try it on a smaller scale first, you know, like I was saying, maybe not about the car payment, but, you know, something just a little bit more kind of manageable and prove to yourself that this does work. And you'll I think you'll be pretty surprised. Where did you get that idea from? Is that something you came up with or inspiration or? That is something that I have come up with over years of experience, but I took it a step further. I started working with a business coach. 
And as, as I, business coaches have business coaches. So as I look to grow my business, I started working with a business coach. One thing my business coach said that really resonated with me is set your target goal. Now triple it because you may not hit. So say, say you want to bring in, we were talking about this with one of my students in Passive Income Academy just two days ago. And her target goal was to make $5,000 a month in passive income. I was like, okay, now triple it. And the eyes got like saucers. And the thing is, the way you think about how to make $5,000 a month versus the way you think about making $15,000 a month are very different ways of thinking. So maybe the $15,000 a month doesn't pan out and you only make $7,000. That's still $2,000 more than five. So the same thing with students, instead of thinking, I need to get a couple of students to get started out, think, how many students do I want? I want 20. Well, you're going to approach recruiting and getting students in an entirely different way if you're going for 20 versus if you're going for two. Yeah, that's so true. And that's so smart. I wanted to show you, I, I actually have... Um... So I used to do these, we call them clinics where I'm from, but it sounds like you call them master classes. Is that just where you're going into schools and working with kids? Um, yes, it, it depends. If you're going into school and working with kids to present a specific topic, it's called a master class. If you're going with to work on their band music or what they're working on, we call that a sectional. Oh, okay, we call that a clinic, I guess. But yeah, sectional, I almost like that better. <laughs> but that's a, a way we have that in, we're very lucky here in Calgary. For some reason, that happens a lot at a lot of schools. Now it's changing because of budget cuts and different, some schools, like I think the Catholic board out here was receiving a lot of their money um, for a long time from um, like doing what's called bingos, where they would go help with running a bingo. But then there was an objection to it because and I, it makes sense. I mean, if your religion is opposed to gambling, why are you getting a lot of your money from bingos? So anyways, they cut all that out of the budget. And unfortunately, that meant that they were unable to do clinics. And also a weird thing that happened was, and this was unfortunate, but the band departments had gotten so good at sourcing money that the other activities at the schools got jealous. And now when a, when an apartment brings in money, they have to split it amongst the, and it's really kind of stupid because, you know, if the band department brings in $50,000 and the soccer department brings in 40, <laughs> they have to, you know, $40, they have to somehow split that and make it. Anyway, this is kind of a long story turning longer. But um, what I was going to say is that when I would go to these clinics, I would take my little card like this and basically I'd give that to all the kids and they would learn about how they could take lessons with me if they liked it. Or more importantly, I'd tell them to give the card to their parents because I was going to ask you about this method because I find that kids don't actually book the lessons. That is true. However, you just hit on one of my big secrets. Okay, business cards are brilliant and people really don't take stock in them because people have tried business cards and they've just failed. Like they go to like a homeschool event and they hand out their business cards but all those business cards just end up in the trash can by the front door with everybody else's business card. The trick to using business cards and actually getting conversion out of it when you're recruiting is to give it to the children, especially if they're young children. So if you're dealing with like 12 to 14 year olds, business cards are something adults have. So if you talk to them and at the end, say you're at the end of your clinic, and you're talking to them 
and you're like, oh, you know, if you take private lessons, we can have fun like this every week. We can get better. We can do some of the fun activities we did here. And I'm going to give everybody a business card today. And this has all my information on it. And then you can tell your parents if you want lessons that they can just use this. And they feel like grownups because they're getting business cards. And that's something they only see their parents with. They will not lose that. They will remember it and they will have their parents contact you. It's funny you say that they won't lose it because I've actually gone back to schools the next year and the business card from the previous year has been tucked in the case. They remember that clinic all year long. And even if they never booked lessons, they still have it. I often give out just, you know, so tell people what I do at clinics, I guess. But I take a few minutes at the beginning to introduce myself and, and like a proper introduction to let them know why I'm there, how long I've been playing. Like you don't just get started. Um, and then at the end, I take a couple of minutes too. And while they're packing up, um, I'll guide them through that, of course. But but I'll hand them out my card about lessons. I'll let them know about Clarinet. Um, you know, if they're interested, I work for a Bakun and I can't find any right now on my desk, but I also have like a free download card of my CD project and, so, and if I have stickers too. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I give them all and they love it. You know, one caveat I would add is just, you know, if you are dealing with minors, of course, you want to ask the teacher beforehand if it's okay, if you can give out, give out business cards and things like that. And, um, it's just, you never know, you know. So at your own discretion, all these things always ask first, but it, it can be successful. But I find that interesting, though, because I, I did find it was ch challenging to get conversion out of it because and I, I always attributed it to the fact that the kids don't have the money. So you need to, kind of some way to reach the parents almost. And that's a tough place to get sometimes because it gets tucked in the clarinet case and it can sit there for a year, like I said, and it never really became a clarinet lesson, you know. So, well, and, and like I said, I've had good luck with conversion from it because the children are so excited. They go straight home. I want to do this, but they do keep the cards because I find them in band folders and everything because to them, that's a big deal. Another way I've had success getting conversion, and I don't know how they do it in Canada, but in the area I teach in at the beginning of the school year, especially in the middle schools. And that's where I try to target because if I can... If I can hook the student when they're in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, then I also teach at the, the high school they matriculate to. So I can keep them through all that time. And they have a beginning of the year parent meeting. And I make sure I'm at that meeting. And the band directors are great about introducing the private teachers. And I just wait for the meeting to be over. And they come talk to you afterwards. And you can sign up students right there. See, this is such a creative thing, too. And it's, it's interesting, interesting to me because um, I was talking to someone the other day about something similar to this. I can't remember exactly what it was, but but they were trying to solve some problem, some financial problem. And I said, you know, if there was a gun to your head, you'd figure it out, <laughs> you know, and it's true. And this is kind of like your approach with the whole triplet, you know. So I think that if you're looking for one or two students, you do the you know, the Craigslist ad or the poster at the coffee shop or whatever. But if you had to register 20 and your life depended on it. I think you'd look at it the way you just said. You'd go to the band teacher and where there's 300 students <laughs> and or whatever and set up a booth and have parents talk to you or maybe a music conference or book something at a trade show or like just to change your frame of thinking and put yourself out there in a different way. You know, maybe not so as aggressive as the whole, you know, the the, the threat, but but sometimes that kind of lights the fire, right? And, and you realize that if you have to solve something, you could, you know? So... I want to play devil's advocate just for a minute here before we wrap up. There, I imagine there's a lot of people listening who are kind of uh, um, skeptical of this sort of thing or they, they've never really been exposed to something like this and they're not really sure it's for them or, 
or you know they hear two people who are kind of at that level talking about it it's not so convincing so is it really true that any person can expose themselves to passive income even on a small scale to try is this something the average person can do Absolutely. And as this is a podcast for musicians, I honestly just suggest you start with something like Sheet Music Plus. I'm not getting anything from Sheet Music Plus for, I only get money from them when my students buy materials from them. But say, you know, you're a clarinet teacher and you have your set of books that you tend to use. Well, sign up for an affiliate. They will send you a code. You have your affiliate links. When you're ready for a student, to make a purchase, you just email that link to the parent. You know, I need Susie to buy this book for private lessons. The parents will automatically click that link and make the purchase and you just made 8% off their sales. Totally. And to not do those things, I would call a missed opportunity or just a, a lack of education, unfortunately, because it's one of those things where I've seen YouTubers on on different channels before. And, and I saw one recently, I think it was a clarinetist, I can't remember who it was, but they had a bunch of like really good advice and things. And I went to their bio. They had all these links. I checked. They were not affiliate links. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> They're linking to Amazon. And I even commented. I said, you know, you should really sign up for Amazon affiliates because I bet you'd make some some passive income. And uh, they commented, oh, thank you. I didn't know about that. And I was like, we need to do a better job of educating musicians businessly. And it's so funny, the timing of this episode, because I just talked to Nancy Williams for two episodes, who's also a business coach. And we talked about overwhelm, which you also just referenced, and imposter syndrome and that sort of thing. And then I talked to Kelly Reardon, who's another type of business coach. This is all inadvertent. I don't know how this happened, but you're right away after that. So it's really nice for me to get all these different perspectives. But there's a lot of common threads. Like we just don't know as musicians a lot of this stuff. And it's unfortunate, but Maybe there needs, what do you think the solution is to that? Like, should there be a music education um, focus that, that includes business skills or what do you think? Absolutely. The reason we don't know this stuff is because they don't teach it in music school. And, you know, I can't fault my professors for not teaching it. I graduated with my doctorate in 2005. So there, what, this stuff didn't exist yet. Um, when, when I, the internet went live when I was in the eighth grade and I wrote my entire doctoral research on dial up. So it just didn't exist when I was there and it's constantly new and it's constantly evolving. And I think it is so important as musicians, when we're going through music school to have some sort of entrepreneurship class, because really to be a successful musician today you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be willing to put yourself out there and you need to diversify your income. When COVID hit, the Nashville Symphony got furloughed for a year. All of those musicians, symphony musicians were out trying to get private students just so that they could eat. And that, that's just sad. We don't want to keep all of our eggs in one basket. We want to have things diversified so that if something happens, yeah, you know what? You may need to tighten up the budget, but you're not going to be kicked out of your home. Totally. Because it's a clarinet podcast, I like to say, don't keep all your reads in one case. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's so true because I think that this pandemic has woken a lot of people up to the fact of the, you know, the single income, just the job or just this or just that. And in a way, how risky that can be for a lot of people. And I agree that we do need to have this sort of music um, education focus on business. But I, I've heard the criticism before that, you know, universities are meant to be more um, like they're not technical, te technical training schools. 
they are very much based in the um, you know the theoretical and the but but in a way I would argue like to do those things now in the world though does require these skills in the same way we need to know our scales like if you want to be a successful player out there in the world these are things that are going to surround that I mean you're no one is going to hear you if you just stay in your practice room your whole life that is absolutely correct well this was so great talking to you today I want to let the listeners know where they can find you on your website or I know it's under construction right now but where can they go to learn some more about your courses and what you do well you can go to my website which is tanyalawson.com t-o-n-y-a-l-a-w-s-o-n you can also find me on Instagram I'm very active on Instagram it's at dr. Tanya Lawson. And I'm always putting tips for private music teachers on there, tips about passive income. You can you can see me post three to five times a week and you'll get a lot of informational content there as well. Excellent. Well, at this point in the episode, if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other free platform, it will end here. But you can get access to the extended ad-free Clarinet Gold Edition at clarinet.com slash join. You can actually get your first 30 days free with code TRIGOLD at checkout. And you can listen to all the other extended podcasts as well. Of course, I'd also like to thank all our sponsors and supporters for making the show possible. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, signing off from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Clarinet Podcast. Tanya, thanks so much for joining me again. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Bakun Q-Series clarinet features a completely redesigned bore inspired by the Bakun Custom Series clarinets. This means you can play and perform like the pros, but for less. Use code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com to save 10% on your entire purchase and try the Bakun Q-Series or Protégé clarinet risk-free for 30 days. Just pay the return shipping if you aren't fully satisfied. Shop now at bakunmusical.com and use code CLARINET at checkout. Imagine a read that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Legere Reads, the world's leading synthetic read brand made right here in Canada. The European cut read is preferred by Legere artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, Crowder Giuffredi, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with a great ease of articulation and is now available for E-flat, B-flat, and the bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store. Or you can now save 10% on your Legere reads with code CLARINET at checkout at Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E dot com.